years ago. So wonderful to be you know, worshipping, enthusiastic, pioneering community. It's a joy to be here. Thanks again for the invitation. Wendy and I were in the USA, and uh, again, a similar situation in a sense to what Steph just said, uh, in that we were in a prayer meeting in Missouri, and a lady just uh, came to us and said, I, I just see a, a great pool of London and rivers flowing into it and I believe God is going to do something wonderful in London and it was completely out of context we weren't talking about London had nothing to do with uh, anything that was happening uh, but we were really stirred in a rather similar way no doubt Steph was being elsewhere and hearing something that really resonated and I must say in my own heart just praying for London daily now I just find something stirring and stirring and stirring uh, just mingling with you guys, uh, being uh, recently with Tarpy and being with Fillmore recently and being with others at Putney and Hillingdon and other different guys, and just feeling, wow, God is on the move, clearly. There's some radicals full of faith and joy and expectation that God's going to do something. And it just stirs my heart a lot. And I'm thrilled to be in the city. I'm thrilled to be with you guys. I'm thrilled to be part of what you're doing. And uh, just delighted to be part of this important uh, conference together. I'm just going to pray once more. There's, no, there's lots of Bible, but no passage. Father, thank you so much for your purpose to awaken our gospel, to awaken our hearts to preach a fuller gospel, a bigger message, a greater anticipation of your companionship, your partnership with us. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you right now our teacher, Lord. I pray for I pray for everyone here, Lord, to hear more than more than I say. I pray for that your heart, that sense in the heart, my Father is speaking to me. Father, I didn't pray for that. Just call upon you for it, Lord. Just pray for the Holy Spirit to be powerfully active in this meeting, that you would do things that will bring you great glory. Lord Jesus, we may Lord, find ourselves on the threshold of phenomenal days by the grace of God and the mercy of God. Thank you so much for your loving commitment, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We've been uh, thinking in this earlier session about fanning into flame the gift of God that's in you and uh, spoke at the end somewhat about the gift of healing. And I really believe God wants us to look this evening once again at healing and just uh, look at it from a biblical perspective, open up the truth, see what the Bible says. Obviously it's not uh, an exhaustive uh, approach, but it is nevertheless a somewhat broad approach. And, and the Bible says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word. There is a dynamic in the preaching. There's something that happens in the Spirit. I had the massive privilege of speaking at Andy Davis's Reviner uh, Baptist Church in Cardiff, uh, I guess it may be two years back now, maybe even three, I guess. I'm terrible at dates. And uh, I was speaking and preaching. And uh, at the end, I was praying for people like I was at the end of the session. And I went down the road, and there's a lady in a wheelchair. And I prayed for her. And, uh, you know, just prayed for her. And then I moved on to the next person. And uh, as I prayed for the next person, the lady in the wheelchair got up. And I looked around, and... Uh, she began to walk around and, and then she gave a testimony the next morning, she'd been 21 years in the wheelchair 
And uh, uh, the next morning, she's sitting in the middle of the road. And Annie Davis started the meeting. He said, uh, I bet you're wondering uh, why she's in the middle of the road. I've forgotten her name. I think it's Jenny.
summing up his ministry when he says in verses 18 and 19, I'll not presume to speak of anything but what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed, in the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and round about as far as Illyricum, I have fully, it says here, preached the gospel, but it probably means I have fulfilled the gospel. I have fulfilled it. I fulfilled it by words, deeds, signs, wonders. I've, I've announced the whole package. I have fulfilled the gospel. And I believe that for many of us, particularly in the West, in England, probably over some decades, if not longer, we have not preached or fulfilled the whole gospel. And I believe God wants us to wake up to that. I believe God wants us to preach a bigger gospel, if you know what I mean. Because faith comes by hearing, and you have to hear something for faith to be uh, come alive. It says, again, in Galatians chapter 3, which I find a very uh, encouraging word, Galatians chapter 3, Paul says, This only thing I want to find from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law, or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now perfected in the flesh? So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and work miracles among you, do it by works of the law, or by hearing with faith? He's saying, how did you receive the Spirit? How did miracles happen? Was it because you were good law keepers? Was it because you embraced the law and added it to the Gospel? Which, of course, the whole of Galatians is saying that is how... He's saying, actually, you received miracles through hearing with faith. There must have been a hearing of a message that promoted faith to receive the Spirit and faith to receive miracles. And some people would say, well, Paul never preached healing. But what did he preach then if he inspired faith in people to get healed? If he inspired faith in people to receive the Spirit? He must have set out a Jesus who healed people. And not just a Jesus who provides forgiveness. And we love those uh, doctrines. We love adoption. We love redemption. We love sanctification. We love all those things. We love getting our ducks in a row. We love getting those truths into the people. And certainly want to keep on doing that. But there must have been a, proclam a proclamation of a living Jesus who carried on doing what he did as he was Jesus of Nazareth on the earth, which was now still happening through the gospel being preached, not only by Paul, but also by Stephen, by Philip, by Peter, and so on. The supernatural was still there, manifestly there. Jesus was still in his church, still healing the sick. Now, I, I, I had the privilege of mixing with a group of uh, guys in the U.S. recently, of people from lots of different nations, a man called Bob Roberts, who's going to be speaking uh, very soon for Toppy and was with us at Prayer and Fasting last year. He has gathered leaders of networks from all over the world. I had the privilege of being there, and there was a guy there uh, from Jakarta, Indonesia, which has a, he has a church of 30,000, and actually said he reckons a third of the population of Indonesia is now Christian. He said they'll never publish that, because it's the biggest uh, uh, Muslim nation in the world. But he said so many people are getting born again, and they have seen nine raised from the dead. Nine. I was speaking to Toppy about that. He said, I was in Nigeria... Uh, the end of last year, he said, the church he visited, they saw six raised from the dead last year. Last year. And so while in England, 
we kind of debate these things around the world. People are getting on with it. They're just seeing phenomenal things happen, extraordinary things. And I think we need to preach it more. We need to declare it more. We need to not spiritualize uh, the things that Jesus did. We often take a miracle that Jesus did and, and spiritualize it instead of preaching it straight from what it actually says that Jesus did. And so Paul says, I fully, I fulfilled the gospel. I preached in such a way that inspired and promoted faith. And I want us to kind of come into the scriptures and see what is it would encourage us to believe that God would heal. Well, first of all, it's in the very character of God to heal. We find that it's in one of his very names in Exodus 15:26. I am the Lord who heals you. It's one of the names that gives the revelation of God, Yahweh who heals you. He is the Lord who heals, just as he is Yahweh who does other things. That's one of the names that he gives that we might know who, who he is, what he's, uh, what he's about. Clowney says that that's uh, one of God's ways of revealing so he gives you his handle. This is in America, uh, um, it's kind of a jargon to say, what's your handle? I mean, what's your name? So when you know someone's name, you can get hold of them. And God has given us his name that we can get hold of him. I'm the Lord who heals you. That's part of his name. That's part of the revelation of who he is. Psalm 103, don't forget all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, those things are put together and you'll find other places where those two things are together and wherever Jesus went, he not only had healed people's souls as they shouted after him and when he was hanging on the cross, he saved others acknowledged he saved people he didn't only save their souls he saved their bodies he totally rescued, he did a massive salvation work he, he saved Zacchaeus when he was uh, uh, just in the grip of money and then Jesus set him free. It's a salvation has come to this house. He didn't just say, oh, I'm glad you got generous. He said, salvation came. And Jesus brought salvation. He brought salvation to a guy who was going to drown because he tried walking on water. He saved him. Jesus saved people from all sorts of things. And one of the things he saved them from was leprosy, sickness. And he came to do that. And we find in the Old Testament that God reveals himself. He makes himself known. I'm the Lord who heals you. Forget not all his benefits. He heals. And then you get specific illustrations of that. Abraham prays and the man is immediately healed. Abimelech is healed. We find Elijah praying for the sick. They're healed. You see Elisha seeing people healed through his prayers. We see that when the sickness running through the camp, they're told, raise up a brass serpent. They raise up the brass serpent. And just look, just look. And the sickness goes. There's a kind of mass healing as they look at something that stands for the cross of Jesus. And we'll come back to that later. Something that spoke of atonement, of another being stood, lifted up. When you look at that, you look away from your sickness, you look away to the brazen serpent, the one that was to replace, the one that was to make atonement, that's the end. They're healed. They are released from their sickness. So God in the Old Testament shows himself to be one who brings deliverance. We've got to see without any doubt really that death and sickness as a result of the fall. There's no concept of death and sickness before the fall. These things have come in and God has acted to reverse that in his redemptive relationship. 
his people, he reverses that and brings about mercy and healing. And that is very much in the very character and revelation of God from the beginning. God is a God who answers prayer and heals the sick. Secondly, we see the coming of the kingdom in Jesus. We see Jesus with his great manifesto speech, if you like, in Luke's For the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to bring deliverance, to open blind eyes and so on. He is particularly gifted for that. God has gifted him to bring in the kingdom. He said, if I cast out demons, you know the kingdom is among you. I come bringing. He came really proclaiming warfare. It's like a militancy. It was, uh, he wasn't kind of just casual about it. Should not this woman, he said, this daughter of Abraham, shouldn't she not be freed on the Sabbath day? And so Jesus, yes, there's compassion, we'll come to in a moment, but there's also a kind of militancy. He's kind of declaring war against sickness. He is on the offensive. If you just read the Gospels as a newcomer, you'll see, you meet, every time you meet Jesus, he's either healing somebody, or he's just coming from healing somebody, or just going to heal somebody. It's kind of full of his constant healing, bringing deliverance. You see, he healed them all. You never find him turning anyone away. Even someone who said, help my unbelief, gets healed. I, I believe help my unbelief. He goes, oh, no, not for you then. In fact, you sometimes see him saying extraordinary things like the Syrophoenician woman when he says to her, well, it's not the, the, the food that's for the children is not for the dogs. And then you get her incredible comeback. But surely even the little puppies, is the word he uses, surely the puppies eat the crumbs that fall from the table. This, this is the children's bread. This is... This is what belongs to God's people. Healing is there, but it's the children's bread, Jesus says. So this, at that time, Gentile, this Gentile dog, it's not for you, but when she comes back, it's just, but we, we get, get the crumbs. It's like he says, well done, well done. Your faith has made you whole. And Jesus meets people, he comes out to people, and he doesn't only respond, he initiates he brings healing to people. He starts the engagement. He acts in, in his own way. He's not simply responding. At one time, it says he went up, the Bible calls it a mountain, I guess, those hills around uh, the Sea of Galilee. We may not call them mountains, but they're high hills. And Jesus ascended one one day. It says 5,000 people followed him. And the D.A. Carson says in his commentary that would have been just the men. And so probably if you add the women and the children, it may have been 20,000. And we're told in the study that he, he taught them, he healed them, and they must have slept on the mountain. And then the next day, he taught them again and healed them. And then they slept another night. And then he healed them and taught them until it says at the end, he healed them all. 20,000 people on a hill with God and every one of them gets healed. It's wonderful. It's like God came down. This is Zion. This is just a temporary place he happens to be on the way. As it often says, he was on the way. God came down and healed every one of them. And at the end he says, hey, these have been with me three days. I want to feed them. You feed them. And you get that incredible Jesus catching his disciples up 
on this ministry, but they were with him three days. At the end of the three days, it says not one sick person's left. This is, this is the kingdom of heaven coming down, touching 20,000 lives. Not one sick person. Imagine the joy there was on that hilltop. Imagine cripples, blind, all kinds of sickness in what we would call like a third world situation. And they're just totally healing. It's amazing. And that's what it was when Jesus was about. That's, that's how they experienced him. Jesus did all these things. He acted in this phenomenal way. And he demonstrated incredible compassion. It says at one point that he, he saw them and was moved with compassion. God sees our need. He sees our brokenness. He sees our heartbreak. And Jesus moves with compassion. He says, heal them all. Or sometimes he says, move with compassion. He reached out because the lepers kind of saying, will you, will you touch me? Oh, yeah, move with compassion. He touched him. With all that, uh, the connotations of don't touch, unclean. Jesus reaches out and God's love is being reached out through this hand. And we're told that Jesus is the exact image of God. Hebrews chapter 1. He is the radiance of the Father's glory. He is the exact image. And that's the same word that's used when they said to Jesus, should we give tax or not? And Jesus says, who's got a coin? And they give him a coin. He says, whose image is that? Well, the image is, is the face of Caesar on it. And so the molten metal would pass through and the stamp of Caesar would stamp on the molten metal. And what you get on the molten metal is the image. It's the exact image. That's exactly it. Jesus is the exact image of God. You say, what is God like? I know exactly what God's like. We've seen an exact image. He came to totally show us. He that has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus, then, is the perfect display and demonstration of God, of his will, what he wants, what he does. Now, was healing some kind of hobby that Jesus did on his days off? Or when he healed them all the time, was he actually giving us an exact an exact image of what God wanted, what God wanted to do? Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. That's what we're told. He was going about healing all who were oppressed. And I believe that's what, that's what uh, Simon Peter says when he's speaking in Acts 10 in Cornelius' home. That's the kind of Jesus I imagine Paul and the others preached. Because some of our evangelical brothers would say, well, show me where healing is preached. Well, I can show you places where it says they were healed because they preached. So what kind of Jesus did they preach? Probably the same Jesus that Peter preached in Cornelius' home. Jesus went about doing good healing all who were oppressed. That Jesus, that Jesus, the Jesus who heals the sick, that's the one that Paul would have presented. That's the one that he would have proclaimed. Jesus who heals the sick. He presented him so that faith could rise. And it says at one point, Paul, perceiving the man had faith to be healed, he's preaching, and perceiving that the man had faith to be healed, said, in Jesus' name, arise. 
How did he get faith to be healed? If Paul is only preaching about adoption, redemption, justification, he must have been preaching a Jesus who heals. Because as he's preaching, the guy's getting faith to be healed. And so he's presenting that Jesus of the Gospels, the Jesus that the Bible presents to us. Not simply the theology that comes out from that, but actually the person himself who's still amongst us, still healing, still touching, still bringing God's mercy to us. Jesus then, presented by the apostles, one demonstrating incredible compassion. And then again, when Matthew, in chapter 8, sums up a season of ministry that Jesus has been fulfilling, he says in Matthew 8, 16, 17, he healed them all in order that what was spoken by Isaiah might be fulfilled. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. So Matthew's interpretation of Isaiah is that all these healings that are taking place are fulfilling what Isaiah 53 says, that he took our sicknesses, that on the cross Jesus took the full curse that was over Israel and over the nations. We're told that when they walked into the land, there was the cursings and the blessings. Two mountains, and there they declared cursings and blessings. And among the curses over this nation of Israel was if they turned their back on God, there'd be all manner of dreadful things that would happen, including many sicknesses and all kinds of uh, terrible list of things that would happen. And here's Jesus walking among them healing people, but they're under the curse. God said that all these terrible things would happen, but how come they're all getting healed then? Because Jesus himself took the curse. Jesus himself, in Isaiah 53, as Matthew explains to us, he healed them all in order that what was spoken of by Isaiah might be fulfilled. He himself took our sicknesses. He himself carried away our diseases. So death and sickness entered in because of the fall, Jesus stood, made atonement for us. He reversed the curse. He was cursed. He fulfilled the law and was cursed. Cursed is everyone who hangs upon the tree. Jesus bore in his body the full curse. He took it so that we can say, Lord Jesus, thank you. You took my place. All healing must flow from the cross. All redemption flows from the cross. There's nowhere else we find it. It's what Jesus did on the cross that makes a way for us to receive mercy from God. It must flow from what he experienced when he died and when he suffered. That's what Matthew says is his interpretation of Isaiah 53. Again, in Numbers 16, it says 14,700 died of the plague then Aaron stood to make atonement and the plague was stopped. There has to be atonement for the plague to stop. Jesus has made atonement. The plague stopped. He has done enough to take away the power of sickness. He suffered in our place. He took our pain. I don't know about you, but I love uh, Tim Keller's writing. I'm just reading his book, King's Cross just read this morning before I came away a beautiful story um, which he's illustrating he said he, he read it in National Geographic 
that in Yellowstone Park, uh, some of the workers in the park were looking after there had been a forest fire, and uh, they're just walking around among the embers after this fire swept through a whole area. And he said he looked down and there was uh, a bird, and it was really horrific to see because it was encrusted in fire, just a, a dead bird, wings open, and uh, just there. And he said it was kind of horrible to look at. And he had his carrying a stick, and he's just seeing this thing, just petrified in the fire, just dead, dead. And, and he just turned it over with his stick. And when he turned it over with his stick, three chicks ran out. And he said, incredible thing that this parent, this wonderful mother hen or whatever, this bird, had, had stayed and been taken the full burning of these chicks lived. the life. Jesus took, we're told here, he bore our infirmities and carried away our diseases that we might run free. He did it. By his stripes we are healed, we're told. We need to understand that. The scripture itself, that's its own interpretation of Isaiah 53. And then we just see the place of our response to that. The encouragement to faith. And for us to simply rise to that. You find that the Lord Jesus so liberally giving away healing. And it seems to me there are all kinds of different ways in which people get healed. Sometimes it's very sovereign and people hardly know what's happening to them. It's just that Jesus steps in and you don't see any record necessarily of uh, them reaching to him. He initiates don't necessarily see great faith on their part, just a sovereign breakthrough from God. Other times, he seems to encourage faith and affirm and, and, and underline the importance of the faith that was expressed. And so we get the lady in the crowd, and it says she kept saying to herself, if I touch him, I shall be made whole. I'm sure the Bible records that. What's us to understand? There's a good attitude there she kept saying to herself. She had got herself into a, a framework of thought. He, if I can touch him. That's, that, was, that was her expectation. She'd arrived. She wasn't just hoping for the best. She wasn't just in the crowd. She's pressing through the crowd because she's reached a conclusion in her heart. If I can touch him, I should be made whole. She's arrived there. She's heard his reputation. She's seen what he's done elsewhere. And so there's, there's, something's rising up in her heart. If I can touch him. And you can imagine this lady pushing through, pushing through. And she's frail and she's sick. And, and she's ceremonially unclean, so she shouldn't even be there. So there's a big price she's paying. But she's pressing through, pressing through. And then she touches him and he feels power. It's kind of involuntary on that occasion from his point of view. He feels power, and you remember, he turns around, who touched me? Until she owns up. And then he affirms her, says, your faith saved you. Your faith saved you. In other words, there was a, there was a reaching out. There was an encouragement to be uh, experiencing God's healing touch. There was an anticipation that he would heal me. I think faith is a key thing. It is important. I prayed for a lady in Sunbury last year, and uh, I prayed for several people. We'd seen some legs grow like we did this afternoon, and uh, 
but she's just standing there. She's in the worship group. I've not particularly noticed in the meeting. I saw her there with her hands raised, and she came to me. She said, uh, she said I, I can only raise my hands this high, and I can't get them further back. That's, the, that's my movement. And she said, I've had surgery on four vertebrae. And she turned around, and I saw the scar in her neck. And we'd seen several things happen. We'd seen legs grow, we'd seen shoulders. Here we'd seen people saying, hey, the pain's gone. I couldn't turn my head. I couldn't turn my head before. There's all sorts of things happening. It'd been happening for 20 minutes or so. And she's kind of late on. And uh, she said, I can't move. And I said, well, let's pray. So we prayed for that to be loosed. And then I said, now, just raise your arms. And she began to raise her arms. And said, oh, I'm scared. I said, well, it was just the sense of the Lord's presence. So beautiful. I said, come on, let's, let's just do it again, shall we? And she put her arms up.
And I believe we've got to fight the good fight of faith to grow in our levels of expectation that God will do these things, that God will break through, God will do what he has promised he will do, he will speak and act and do his wonderful works among us. Because the word is full of it, the word tells us it will happen. For myself, even in this last few years, just uh, I prayed for a lady with celiac disease. She says, left me now. Prayed for her. She says, it's gone. And I said, what do you mean? Do I, I'm a nut. I think, oh. And she walked straight across and picked up a donut and ate it. Because <laughs> this church had donuts, you know, these churches do. And she just, I mean, she'd been free. She wrote to me, said, said, a lady came to our church. She was in pain. And she spoke to the lady sitting next to her. One of the ladies in our church was crying through the meeting. And the, the, the lady said, why don't you get one of the elders to pray for you? And she said, what do you mean? She said, well, down there, those men will pray for you. And she came to me and she said, would you pray for me? I've got a damaged kidney. I'm in serious pain. And I prayed for her. And then she wrote to me. She said, well, actually, it's not. what happened was I wasn't back in the church for months because I only preached at Brighton very, very rarely. And I turned up like six or eight months later. And she came running down to me and said, you're the one who prayed for me. And Because uh, I'm like a guest speaker down there when I was there. And she said, I said, yeah, I'll do it. And she said, yeah, she said, I went, had an x-ray. She said, I have a new kidney. A new kidney. And she said, she said, since then, I went on Alpha course. I became a Christian. I was baptized. I'm a member of the church now. <laughs> I, I didn't know any of that had happened. All I knew was I prayed over a crying lady at the end of a meeting. That's all I knew. I prayed over a crying lady. She was crying when I started praying for her. She didn't look much better when I stopped praying for her. I just prayed for her. And I see her months later, and she said, I was healed. I got a new kidney. And then I got saved. Then I got baptized. Now I'm a member of the church. I thought, wow, I didn't even know that would happen. And I get letters from people saying, well, such and such happened. I had photographs of babies born. He says, you prayed for us. I was in the church the other week. The lady said, Captain, I was waiting for him. And he said, you prayed for us. We couldn't have children. We got shot. And, and I'm just finding, I'm just pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. And saying, Lord, just do this, do this. And, and I'm just feeling, well, Lord, you said, and here's the verse I close with, that I feel had a huge impact on me. John 14, 12. Truly, truly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Greater works shall he do, because I go to the Father. The key then is, that where, where is Jesus now? He's at the right hand of the Father. All authority in heaven and earth is given to him. Now he said, the things that are truly, 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 the things I do, you should do also. And I, I heard Rambabu preach on that verse, and it just, I thought, yes, it's got to be true. It's got to be true. And I'm going to go for it. And believe God. And uh, not always knowing what's happening, but more and more getting letters and comebacks of people who've been healed. Because, well, Jesus said it. And so we do it. We just pray for the sick. Sometimes when the leg grows, well, it's measurable. You can see it. And sometimes when people say, I can't move my head. I prayed for a lady in Missouri. She had a sling on. She said, I can't move my fingers. And we prayed for her. And she started moving her fingers and took the whole sling off. Said, hey, it's completely okay. 
mean, just pushing through, just saying, right, we pray for you, we pray for you, we pray for you. I want to encourage us to pray for one another more, to speak more, of, uh, uh, to testify of healing, to speak of what God does amongst us, and to more and more go out believing Him that He will heal. I believe we're seeing more healings in our ranks than we've ever seen before. Uh, I hear stories all the time of multiplied healings. I want us to encourage us to press in for it. And I find sometimes when God begins to work, when I was in Armenia, I just had just one after another, one after another. They went straight from being prayed for to the mic. They had testimonies of the meeting, then the next person, bang, they went to their testimony. And just one after the other, one after the other. It's like God's power getting released in a meeting. Because, well, yeah, he's here with us. We anticipate he will work. The presence of the Holy Spirit becomes manifest. So let's believe, dear brothers and sisters, let's pray. I want to encourage us even tonight, as we wind up this uh, long day, that God will, even tonight, uh, touch us. I don't think he wants us just to talk about it. I believe he wants to manifest his presence. So uh, you might like to stand, if you sit, if you feel tired, but if you feel you want to stand, let's just welcome the presence of God. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for the amazing things that you do. In spite of our ignorance, we thank you. Lord Jesus, we thank you as you 